Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, Damian Mason from the Out West studio. Got a great show for you today because we're talking about the future. We're talking about technology, talking about things you're going to see more and more of in the business of production agriculture. We're talking about drone technology, its application, its incarnation, and its future application. So I think you're going to really enjoy the program because, uh, you know, as always, we talk about the business of agriculture. We talk about the production side and we talk about the other business side. I've got Michael Ott. He's the CEO of Rantizo and founder of this company and his marketing uh, manager, Emily Carlson. Welcome, Michael and Emily. We're going to get more from you, but welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the opportunity. It's really exciting to be here and good to follow up after the NAAA meeting. And, yeah, uh, thanks everyone. for having us. Yeah, thank That's you. It. And if you're a viewer of this, you already can see what I'm seeing. But if you're merely a listener, remember that the business of agriculture starting in the year 2020 became a video concept as well as an audio. So you can listen to it on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast from. But you also can view it by going to the YouTube Damian Mason channel. Just go on YouTube, type in Damian Mason channel, and all my playlists are right there. The business of agriculture, the Do Business Better podcast, my agricultural commentary so much more. And if you got really bored, you could even go and look at my old Bill Clinton footage. But you know what? That's yesterday. So anyway, the business of agriculture, this episode, uh, as so many others before it, is brought to you by Harvest Profit, a software solution for your agricultural enterprise. You've got a business. Why not look at your business the way big businesses do? How you control every single aspect of your ins and outs. Are you really profitable? Will you be? Do you know? HarvestProfit.com has a software solution to help your ag enterprise. Okay, Michael Ott, CEO, founder of Rantizo. You're sitting there in Iowa. You've had this company out since 2018. Give me the background on you and the founding of Rantizo. Sure. So I'm a chemist and I really like precise application. I like to put things right where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. And before this, I worked in corporate venture capital and agriculture, and I invented a way to put a little bit of nitrogen on a rice seed as it grows. And it turns out that works really well in India. So I spent some time in India and I was like, this is a pretty good concept, but it literally only worked in rice only in India for a, a few reasons. So then I was thinking, well, what are other ways to put small amounts of material precisely where they should go when they need to be there? And drone productivity and efficiency quality was improving. I thought, well, I wonder if we could fly things on with drones. And that's really the origin of where Antizo came from, just wanting to be super precise. And now we've got a nationwide network of contractors, imagery integration, just raise some capital. It's been a, a good run and we're, you know, just part of the way there. There's still a lot to do. So one of the things, you know, I'm a business guy. You can see over my shoulder if you're listening. I'm sorry, the other shoulder. I've written a business book uh, geared to entrepreneurialism and small business-minded uh, people called Do Business Better. And I talk about, you know, satisfying a problem. Sales, I always say in a, in a nutshell, I explained this to my wife years ago when she helped me with my business, that sales is discovering a, prob a person's problem 
and positioning yourself as the solution to that person's problem. The problem that you saw with Rantizo, uh, I'm sorry, before you began Rantizo was what thing? You saw a need for using less product, you saw an efficiency, all of the above, kind of give me that. So I like to optimize application. Like that, that's the most succinct way to describe it. Like, let's put what you need exactly where you need it. And a lot of times you may flood an area with some fertilizer or spray a bunch of herbicide or put more down than what you think because, yeah, you never know. And generally in a small area, that works well. But when you aggregate all those things, you run into a lot of problems. So finding ways to precisely drop things in is a really important thing to do. Yeah. So what I think I heard there was, uh, and I'm, you know, farm boy, 51 years old. So I came up, uh, you know, in the 1970s when we would just tap a 55 gallon drum of dual or, you know, whatever, name the atrazine based product lasso, go out there and just fling that stuff every which way, man, gallons of it. Hey, what the hell? Sure. It's, 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 it's good for it. And you're a chemistry background. Are you an ag background? Your chemistry education? Uh, no, I grew up in a I grew up in a small town in Iowa. So we had a you know, town of five thousand people. So everyone's pretty close to agriculture there. We actually had a family restaurant. So that was that was our business. And I kind of got the entrepreneurial start through that. Just seeing seeing what it takes to run a business and everything there. And we had a lot of farmers as customers went out and helped. You know, baled hay, all that, all everything else that you would expect in a small town in Iowa. Yeah. So that's, that's the, definitely the entrepreneurial thing and coming at it from that angle. So it's, uh, it's Emily's job to tell the world what your company does, but I get the idea that she can't just tell the world what your company does because this is new enough drone utilization in agriculture. I don't know. It seems to me, I saw it three to five years ago. It was mostly like to take pictures or there's an auction company that sends me emails of video flyovers of grain setups or property for sale utilization of the drone technology for application how new how how new is that i you know i would say that it's it's still very um very new and in its infancy um but obviously with rentizo we're trying to change that um i've had conversations with several um potential customers or people, even aerial applicators, looking at um, how to incorporate drones into their existing spraying business. What I heard from several of them is, you're right, drones in agriculture have been around for a while. Um, they may have dabbled with them on the scouting or the imagery side of things um, a couple years prior, but they weren't able to make it work at that time. Um, and I think because it was such a new concept at that time, um, it wasn't it, it wasn't able to work for them. Now we're starting to see ways that we can actually incorporate that into agriculture in a more viable way um, as efficiencies grow with drone productivity, um, regulatory pathways begin to open up and those type of things. So. Although I do think that um, drone spraying is still relatively new in agriculture, uh, I do think that we have made great strides within the past year or two. Yeah, well, that's that's the interesting part. Okay, so um, Michael, you're sitting there with uh, this idea. Were you you were using drone technology in India when this was your job prior? No, to no, no. It, it, I'm a drone noob. I, I still don't fly, which is, in, which is a, an important distinction that I made. Uh, 
the Indian technology was a seed coating that would exist on the seed uh, in a dry form. And then when it's planted and then gets flooded and it gets wet, then it would start fixing nitrogen precisely on the tip of the seed where the, where the nitrogen was needed. So it was, it was a straight uh, biological chemical interaction. I still deliberately don't fly the drones because I'm spending more time doing other things and I've got a team of people that are flying them. So that's a, a distinction that sometimes people are surprised to hear. Uh, yeah, so I liked it. So the chemistry side from you um, then taught you about optimizing application. And then you, you came to drone sort of from the back door because it was, I think we could do a better job of getting precise amounts of resources to a plant or to a speck of soil or whatever. Is that kind of what it was? Exactly, exactly. And that's, uh, I think, a better way to do it. And then what I found in with the entrepreneurial background, really solving the problem to circle back to your original question what I discovered in talking to dozens of custom applicators, who's our, that's our channel to market, their main issue is uh, access to labor. So in what we're doing, we're solving these chemical problems, solving everything else. Ultimately, we're solving for the labor shortage that exists everywhere. And this is true in commodity crops in the Midwest, in vineyards on the coasts. Everybody has labor problems. So in all the things that we're trying to do with automation, the reason behind that is because there aren't enough people that want to do it. So we're automating every single step of the process that we can. You got the, you got the idea, you created this thing, you put your own money in presumably, then did you bring in, did you get some investors from the very beginning or was it just Michael Ott from the very beginning? Yeah, I funded the first nine months or so uh, with a partner. And then we raised a, a seed round and uh, got some, a small amount of capital from investors, a couple $500,000 investments. And then we're proud to announce uh, as of November, we just raised a 7.5 million Series A, and that was led by Leaps by Bayer, uh, so Bayer's venture arm, and then also including several strategic investors like KZ Valve and Sukup Manufacturing, and then some top tier ag venture capital firms like Lewis and Clark, Innova, and Fall Line Capital. So it's a, it's a pretty, pretty sharp group. We just had our first board meeting and I was very happy with all the minds that were around and, and the, the level of discussion that was coming yeah, out. It sounds like you, you brought in a, you brought in a, a pretty big roster of, uh, of names and successes there with uh, your round of getting investment. Uh, what was, where will you spend the money? Where will that seven half million dollars? I mean, you got to buy equipment, right? You got to buy sure. these drones. What's a drone yeah. cost? Oh, I don't know. Uh, 20 to 25,000, depending on what you're, what you're getting with it. Uh, then we're selling trailers. Uh, we also have a mix and fill system, which is an automated reloading system. Uh, but to answer your question, we're spending money on people, on technology, on data verification, on pollen and intellectual property. All right, Emily, I'm a marketing-minded person. Obviously, you are too. Mm -hmm. You didn't come into this business from agriculture. You came into this business from an extraneous, completely 180 degrees. Give me some background. What are you doing here? Yeah. Um, so I, I do have an entrepreneurial background. Prior to Rantizo, I actually started my own fashion company. So I do think it's, um, I don't know, it's a pretty entertaining idea to think about someone coming from the fashion world to agriculture. It's kind of a complete 180. But one of the things that I've found from that um, is the fundamentals of starting a business and building a business are the same no matter which industry you're in. 
Um, so I've been able to apply what I learned in that experience on the fashion side to what we're building with Rantizo. The other thing that I find incredibly interesting is that um, the agricultural industry is very cut and dry with problem solution. Um, in fashion, a lot of times you're not really solving a problem. You're just creating a market need or um, building a brand. With agriculture, it's become very rewarding for me working with Rantizo to see that we are actually solving problems um, that, that need to be solved and seeing the market demand that already exists as a result. That is, by the way, um, I like the outside perspective, and that is a one that I have not heard. And I give outside perspective to my audiences. Uh, your boss, Michael, was in one of my audiences, which is how we met, and he saw me deliver a program on the business of agriculture, which is a lot of outside perspective for people in the business of ag that they don't think about or sometimes like to think about. What you just said is really interesting. And frankly, it's kind of how we need to think more because our margins are like this in agriculture because, as you said, we just look at production, 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 satisfy a need. How many acres can I get off of that acre? Feed people, feed people. And the thing is, we're so damn good at it, we just produce, produce, produce. Well, the textile mills would not be running right now if it was just that we needed clothes. We have all the clothes we need. We have an abundance of – I have now gotten old enough that I grabbed something and my wife said – you know that I think that I think that sweater is 10 years old. And I said, no, actually, I think it's 14. So um, the point is, fashion creates demand by being what is fashionable. So it's a very different, like you said, it's a complete dichotomy and business models and what we do. But some of that thinking coming to agriculture is good because now it's not just, yep, we've got all the bushels we need. Well, what else can we do? And I think that's where we, uh, Emily, staying with you. I'm a marketing-minded guy, so I sat down here, and I, I wrote down five or six words that begin with the letter E that I think your product solves, but I don't want to give you my idea of marketing. What's the first story you think you need to tell about Rantizo or any company in the business of drone technology? What's the first story you think you need to tell the world or your customer base? Man, that's a tough one. There's a lot of, a lot of stories. Um, you're saying story about Rantizo? Or about, the, or about the business of drone technology in agriculture? Sure. I would say um, they kind of go hand in hand, but um, drones are not toys. They're actually tools. They're viable tools that can be used in agriculture. Um, they're actually, in Rantizo's case, not the future of agriculture. They're the present, and, and we're showing that. So this this notion that, a lot of people are on board with, with drone technology, even drone spraying technology, but they keep using the phrase, oh, this is, I see this as the future of agriculture. This is where everything's headed. Um, I would push back on that respectfully and say that actually it's the future because we're using them in the field. Our contractors are using them. There are farmers requesting these services. Um, so that would be the first story I think I would start with. It's the present. At the very end, you said the future, but it's the present. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the present. And right. the future. And the yeah. future. So yeah. I want to ask about that, and then we're going to get to the future. Actually, I want to get to that, and we're going to come back to marketing. But, Michael, the present. Right now, what is happening in the industry, okay? There's all these acres, about 350 million cropland acres. Um, yep. Then there's the then there's the forests. I'm sorry, not yeah, but the forests. Then there's also, you know, which are raised for 
two by four pieces of lumber. There are the acres of pasture and range. There are the acres of vineyards and, and, uh, then there's the acres of specialty trees that produce our, our nuts and our fruit. Where are, what are we doing with drone technology in those arenas now? Sure. Yeah, we're in 17 states right now. We've got 32 contractors applying legally with insurance, on label, everything on, on the up and up. Uh, and you're right. I, I always think there's about a billion acres to be sprayed every year because it's 380 million acres sprayed three to four times per year. So it's north of a billion acres that actually gets covered. And the big thing that we can do is when you integrate with imagery, so you understand what the problem is in your field, we can go apply just what's required right there. So there's many things that you should just spot apply. Some things you should spray the whole field. A pre-emergent herbicide, yes, spray the whole field for sure. But if you're doing an insecticide, a fungicide, cover crop seed, something that can be tailored, we can dial that in really precisely. And if you need 12% of your field sprayed or 34 or 81, we can do all that. So a lot of times I like to think about a holistic cost to treat your field. And people get so focused on, well, what's your cost per acre? And then I always respond, how many acres do you need treated? And then sometimes we're like, well, all of them, of course. Well, do you really need all of them? And for the most part, you don't. Uh, you're just used to doing that. So that's kind of the, the mind shift that we're, that we're pushing yeah. out there. So you're, you're, you think the application is in spraying. Is it in anything else? I mean, it's mostly in spraying, you think, and, and because we're doing more precise amounts and smaller quantities, as opposed to using a huge plane with a man or woman flying it, um, you're saying that the biggest application is in putting on crop inputs, right? Right. And then, so we're doing liquid and dry applications. So we're doing cover crop seeds. We're doing granular fertilizers, things like that. And I think there's a market for, for all the current application technologies. A tractor works really well when it's dry and flat and you need to cover the whole field. If I got to cover thousands of acres, a plane can do that really well. If I need to get into a corner near trees or around someone's house, we're way better than they are. So there's times where a drone is better. There's times where a plane is better. And I think you need to use all of them. And that's, that's a mentality that I was pushing at the NAAA. And last year I had pretty violent uh, reception to that idea. This year it was semi-hostile. So we're, we're improving next year. No, I, I understand that. And you know what? Years ago, back in my different <clears throat> life, when I was a political comedian, I did a presentation for the Railway Supply Association. And I'm a kid of a railroader. And so I knew a little bit about the railroad. And um, I talked about the, the trucks. And I said, you know, our lobbying effort, we need there to be semi-trucks and panel trucks and delivery trucks. We just need to make sure that they are doing what they are most efficient at and we're doing what we're most efficient at because there's room for all of us in this whole thing called transportation. Sure. And of course, that's very dead on. If you're trying to take a bunch of those two by fours we talked about from somewhere in uh, Montana <laughs> to uh, the East Coast to be made into buildings, uh, a train will get them most of the way So and most efficiently. So yeah, I think you're right that the drone technology, so you see it mostly in spraying, but also cover crops, dry granular fertilization, et cetera. Yep. When we come back from this break, I want you to tell me some other things and then we're going to get back to Emily and we'll talk to you about some of the ease, the ease that I see from a marketing standpoint about if I had to sell the industry. This podcast is not only brought to you by my friends at Harvest Profit, the software solution that you should be using on your ag enterprise, 
if you disagree with me, go check out harvestprofit.com. You can get a free 14-day trial. They'll give you 14 days free of using their product to see if it works. If it doesn't work, the founder, Nick Korb, is going to be like, hey, man, I, I created a great product. If it doesn't happen to work for you, fine. You're not out anything. So check it out for free, harvestprofit.com. Also, my good friends at the Georgia Agricultural Commodity Commission for Milk would like you to know, you know, we're in the new year. We're coming out of this whole pandemic. Do you want to be healthy? All right. Maybe you're not worried about the pandemic, but why wouldn't you still maximize your vitamin A and D? Because 80% of all COVID cases have one thing in common. The patients are vitamin D deficient. Vitamin D is from the sun. It's right now a cloudy gray time of year with short days. You know where else you can get your vitamin D? From a glass of milk, like this glass of whole vitamin D milk right here. It's got everything you need. Plus, it'll help you stay healthy with vitamin A and vitamin D, which is good for your immune system. Whole milk. Thank you, Georgia Agricultural Commodity Commission for milk. Emily, I wrote down five E words, and I want you to respond from a from a marketing mind perspective. I'm going to say the word, and let's just say there's people like um, Michael mentioned, they're a little resistant to this drone idea. By golly, we've been using tractors and spray coops and these big spray rigs and, and airplanes to put on our products, and, and it works for cover crops, and it works for dry fertilizer. Hell, it even works for putting out forest fires. You've ever seen those big planes? They go out there and they dump a bunch of powder out. Why do I need your drones? The word environmental. Tell me what your marketing mind says, environmental. Uh, there's definitely environmental benefits to using Rantizo or drone tech, drone spraying technology as a whole. Um, there, you know, we've talked, we, we continue to talk about precision, um, focusing on spraying just in the areas where it's needed. You don't have the overspray, you don't have the drift, um, you don't potentially continue to exacerbate things like uh, weed resistance to various pesticides. Um, that precision can help um, alleviate some of those environmental issues and also um, encourage a more environmentally sustainable practice in agriculture. That's about where I was going to go if I was the marketing person, not just for your company, but for the entire industry and utilization of this technology, because I actually agree. I see this. It's not going to replace tractors, uh, but you know, tractors themselves are going to get replaced by autonomous tractors. I talk about this in my book, Food Fear, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't picked up your copy, it's available on my website. You should read it or listen to it because tractors eventually are going to go away, at least as we know them now. We're going to use autonomous ones. There's going to be a use of them. Um, efficiency. That's another E word. Go. What I'm, do you think? I'm, I'm glad you wrote that down because I also wrote that down after you said that. Um, I would say efficiency when it comes to planning out where you need to be in the field, integrating with imagery companies, identifying just the areas where, where you need to fly the drone, and then mapping, mapping those out one time. The drone flies autonomously and applies those products right where they need to go. The next time you need to fly that same field, that mapping is saved. It's a click of a button and the drone goes out and does all the work for you. Which brings me to another E word I wrote down, ease. And I'll, I feel like Michael's just sitting there. Maybe we'll let Michael take this and come back to you. Ease. Sure. Uh, I like the terms slick and seamless. I, when I'm talking to my technology guys, I want everything to be slick and seamless. And we've thought of what you need to be doing. Oh, what's the next step? Okay, that's great. And a lot of times I love when I'm giving a presentation and someone asks a question, I was like, 
that's literally our next slide. So you can jump right to it. So ease of use is so important. And as you're solving for labor using uh, autonomous drones, and then now we have an autonomous loading system, putting everything in a trailer, which is what custom applicators, you know, egg retailers tell us they want. So thinking about all those needs beforehand and then designing the platform, designing the solution to hit on all of those is, is super important and making it easy and slick for someone to use. All right, slick. I think that if you wrote that in uh, in your English composition class, they would refrain from using the word slick. I think there's a little, and there's a connotation there that you know, yeah, or something. But anyway, that's okay. You uh, said two other words. I'll go with the other one that you said in your answer. Employee. We talked about already once. Who wants to take it? The reality of this going on out here, where we produce the food, as it relates to employees. Yeah, labor is a hard situation. Uh, everyone that I'm talking to, we just we can't get people, we have to pay them more and more, but their productivity is down. It, we're traveling farther and farther. It's a really big issue all over the country. And that's where we're designing this system that can be used anywhere. So we're flying you know, in hilly areas around rivers, we're flying over vineyards, we're flying over corn crop fields, cannabis, cotton, you name it, other, other things that don't start with C. But <laughs> there's, there's a ton of opportunity, and that's where I'm really happy with our nationwide network of contractors. That this stuff is working in California all the way to Pennsylvania and everywhere in between. Yeah, so and I want to add something to that, too, from the employee perspective. Um, we've actually heard feedback from, um, for example, there's a, a large ag retailer in southeastern Iowa here. Um, one of their direct comments to us was, you know, I can see myself being able to recruit kind of the next generation of agricultural workers to want to learn how to fly these drones and, and use them in the fields. It's a lot easier for me to go out and try to recruit um, new employees for my business um, to do something like that versus just sit in a tractor for um, eight hours a day doing kind of the same thing. There's um, adding a new, another E to your list. There's some excitement around, around what we're doing um, and that, from an employment and a recruitment perspective um, could help bring in some new employees. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that is, I like the excitement thing. And I'm going to point out that this is a reality. You know, I've got listeners, a good friend of mine, I reference him commonly. He's uh, my roommate from college who, um, who's not an ag guy. He's familiar, but he's a, and he listens to this. And then I encourage people kick this, kick this episode to your non-ag friends because they still think we're out here with a hoe and a scarecrow wearing our bib overalls. And you're talking about a $25,000 drone that covers thousands and thousands of acres uh, extremely efficiently, putting inputs that are necessary to produce food in a very precise manner, as uh, Emily talked about, right where you need it to be. And then once that, once that is mapped out and known, these are amazing things that are happening. Everybody out here in suburbia gets excited about driverless cars. We have, we have self-driven tractors for a decade or so now in ag, and now we're talking about using drones. So please do listen to it, pass it on. But I enjoyed what you just said about excitement, a fact that most folks don't realize. They're saying, what do you mean labor shortages? We have 19% of the population in rural America. The other 81% is in urban and suburban and big metro area America. In our 19%, we have a greater degree of uh, older uh, percentage of the population. 
We also have a seasonality component to our business. A drone can work 24 hours a day minus some charging time, right? So probably 22 hours a day or 20, right? I'm, I'm saying this more yep. than a human can, right, Michael? Oh, absolutely. Yep. And then there's the seasonality of it. We don't need people all the time, but we need them really badly for certain parts of the time. 75, when I wrote my book, I found the stats and this is from, uh, this is from, you know, United States labor uh, statistics. 75% of agricultural, hired agricultural production workers are from another country. Half of them are here illegally. So when we talk about labor shortages, yeah, we're hiring people as best we can. And we have to jump through hoops. And sometimes we have to jump through hoops the wrong way to get people that will show up and do this work. So there is a labor issue and the excitement. I was going to bring up my last E word, either of you, energy. Why did I write down energy as an E word about this technology in the business of ag? There's a lot of energy and enthusiasm around what we're doing. It, it's fun for us just to, to see it. And oh, Emily coined a great term, the, the croparazzi. So it's when we're flying in the field and people see this big drone with the big booms and they're like, like, People pull over their cars. We've seen near accidents. I've seen someone actually drive up over the curb. Then uh, they're taking photos. They're taking videos. It's fantastic. But it, it's the croparazzi for sure. And every time we do our demos, they're like, okay, you know, uh, pay attention. You get, get your cameras out. It's time to go. And everybody loves it. So it's, uh, Emily, it's fun to see. Emily, energy. I wrote down the energy. What is your thought on energy? I think that word um, dovetails along the same lines of the excitement I was talking about. Um, and it also infuses new energy into agriculture and perhaps what's next. Um, kind of like we talked about um, where the future of agriculture is headed. Uh, hopefully there's some energy and excitement around that now that people know there are other options out there. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I actually got to tell you, and this is the great thing why I just left it as an open-ended one-word question. I wrote it down and it kind of came on the heels of efficiency. I see great big machines that use a great amount of energy and we have an incoming administration and a continual movement in our, in our, in countries like the United States of America against carbon and against energy consumption. Um, I see a technology that uses a lot less energy to create output. And, you know, one of the things that Michael said early on was optimizing application. Is that something that, that we need to sell uh, about this technology? That's an interesting angle. We have not seen the pull on that from customers. Mm -hmm. uh, they're used to driving large equipment across the field, you know, causing a lot of soil compaction, causing damage as you're turning around in corners. And so that hasn't been as much of a pull. I think it's a great point, but we haven't seen that message resonate uh, with, with others. Certainly it's, it's a good line that we can, we could pursue, but uh, as of yet, that hasn't been a, a big focus of what we're doing. Pardon me. I don't see it resonating with your customers, meaning at the production agriculture level, because yes. that's something that resonates with them. I do see it resonating more with society at large that um, thinks that we're out here uh, doing all sorts of bad things to the environment, when in reality, we're, we're doing so many great things to the environment. Just from my childhood, when we used to go over fields nine times, you know, with tractors, plow, disc, field cultivate, cultivate again, cultivate when the crop is up, uh, you know. 
<laughs> spray, spray it a couple of times, harvest it. Dry. We just drove over to ground all the time, and we're we're sure. doing that now because of technology. Tell me how big this yeah, business is. Right, not yours, but the industry. How big is what's going to happen out here? Give sure. So, it's, agricultural spraying is a thirty-six billion dollar market. Uh, about five billion of that is in custom applicators, things that we think we could get. Uh, involved in and in, in, in assist with what's going on. That precision market is growing, especially as we're able to swarm and cover more ground. So Rantizo is unique in that we can fly three drones at once. Nobody else is doing that nationwide. So we're able to apply in much more territory and the ability to fly more drones is much more important than bigger drones. Bigger drones help, but I'd rather have more of them than something that's incrementally larger. I, I think that's, and I talk about that in my book because I think that's where all of the whole thing needs to go. We've about maxed out big, you know, big, huge combines, big, huge tractors, and we can't get these things down the road. Uh, they squished us. We're, we're maxed out on big. I think we start getting more small and more of them. Emily, what problem? Okay, we talk about what problem you solve. You're the marketing person over here. Came at it from a different angle. What marketing problem do we have? Uh, I, I do think there is a learning curve. Um, like we've talked about, there's um, or a mindset shift. Um, so aside from people adopting the technology on its own, there's a mindset that needs to be adopted too. Like to Michael's point, and I think you brought it up earlier as well, um, the need to spray your entire field yeah. oftentimes is is maybe a misnomer maybe that is actually not the case so really truly looking at the areas in your field that need the application and then just applying in those areas so um that's a that's a marketing challenge so to speak just educating people on that and getting them to buy into that uh, mindset i think that's where partnering with other industry players like agronomists and people who are in those roles who can also see the benefits to doing things like that will, will help with that. You know, the good thing is, first off, we always run this risk and I agree with you that that's going to be one of your big problems. First off, it's new. Uh, agriculture, like all people, agricultural producers, like all people resist change. Uh, some don't, you know, you get the early adopters and all that. We've all you know been through sales class about the curves. Two things that I would always think about uh, when I see stuff on the horizon is, is this going to happen because we embrace it or is it going to happen because we are regulated to do so? Your situation almost reminds me a bit of antibiotic usage. You know, you talk about putting something on every acre. And I tell my audience this, we used to go out and throw stuff on 43,560 square feet per acre. Dear non-ag people, that's how many square feet an acre is, 43,560. Mm -hmm. So we would always put every cent, every, every, uh, every square inch of that field got covered with crap. <laughs> and now we're saying, no, we don't need that stuff everywhere. turns out you don't even need any fertilizer over there because it's a low area that's got a bunch of organic matter, whatever that thing should be. Um, so environmentally, you're talking about saving stuff. So is it going to be environmental regulation that gets us more efficient or just the adoption of this? Now, the good news is right about always the time we're getting ready to be environmentally regulated, 
we start making those changes on our own and we find out it's more, uh, it's good for our bottom line. Antibiotic usage was like that thing, like tap the 55 gallon drum, a chemical and go throw it everywhere. It used to be, Hey, those calves are, those calves are getting moved. Go over there and shoot them up with antibiotics. And then when you get to the next place, let's shoot them up again. And by God, just for the fun of it, let's run through the chute and shoot them up again. That's kind of what I'm talking about. In the hog production, they've got to be a lot more uh, methodical and a lot more stringent about the usage of antibiotics. That's kind of what I think is going to happen here. Before it gets completely regulated, let's just make the decision to do less of it anyhow. I think maybe that's where I see this going, but I'm just the business of ag guy. Your closing thoughts uh, on all this, Emily, Michael. I think um, I think you're right to that to that point. But I do hear from farmers that that I talk with um, quite often. At the heart of it all, they want to be good stewards of the land. Um, so whether you know regulatory means kind of push to that. I could see, you know, that being kind of an aid in some of the progressions that we make. But ultimately, I think that farmers want to do what's best for the land. Um, so well, that's a that, good would, that would be my take on it. Yeah, absolutely. And I All think, right. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say the regulatory angle is so important. And from a federal level, working on with the FAA to get all that solved and then going state by state, they always mean well, and a lot of times the regulations that we have to adhere to simply don't apply or shouldn't apply to what we're actually doing. And we're doing our best to educate other states about what's happening and, and where we're going with things. Uh, we're in most of the Midwest trying to break into North Dakota. Uh, that's been a hard one. Uh, we're getting into Michigan, which has been really difficult. Uh, that's something that I'm really excited about. Just and that's because of regulatory issues? Yeah, completely. Um, We've mapped out every single state. We're in 17 of them right now. Mm -hmm. And we know what you need to do. And sometimes it's you need three years of application and a thousand hours of experience. That's so far beyond what is required when a drone is being used because the drone is automated, flying slowly over the field, you know, precisely where it's going. There's certain instances where that makes perfect sense. Sometimes it doesn't. A good example, um, the seatbelt story I like to tell. Early on, we were regulated just like crop dusters, had to follow all the crop duster rules, which are pretty close, but we were required to wear seatbelts. So you have to be on the ground holding your controller, wearing a seatbelt because that was the rule. And that makes perfect sense. In a plane, you should have a seatbelt on. You should need to have the operator's manual on board. Mm -hmm. I don't need an operator's manual on board my drone, but I have to have it on there with a chip. Now there's waivers for things like that, but there's a lot of great examples. I can go through a half dozen others of just Smart rules, well-intentioned, they make perfect sense. Sometimes it doesn't really apply. Sure. The technology has certainly outpaced the, oh, uh, the, the revisions of rules. Okay. $5 billion is what you think is out there to be uh, divvied up between traditional hired applicators of crop inputs through the air and you. So you think that the entire drone thing ended up being a couple billion dollar industry or up to five? Oh, easily. Yeah, I think there. as you get more and more drones in the air, larger swarms, applying more amount, greater amounts, there's a there's a huge opportunity there that we want to capture that and more. 
That's fantastic. I think it's the future as well. I wonder if there's going to be, I wonder what thing is going to, uh, you know, what, what are we going to talk about three years from now? Like, oh, my mercy, I saw this coming. I didn't see quite this coming. You wonder what the surprise, what the, what the crinkle is going to be. There's always some little crinkle that comes in. Am I right, Emily? There's always some crinkle, yes. Like somebody, <laughs> somebody says, you know what, you should get out of fashion and go and work and that's what keeps it interesting, though. That's that's what I get up for every day. Fantastic. Uh, his name is Michael Ott. Her name is Emily Carlson. If you want to check out uh, their product or learn more about uh, aerial application of crop inputs via drone, how should they, where should they go? You can check us, check us out online at rantizo.com or we're on Twitter at Rantizo Sprays. That is spelled, Emily, how? R-A-N-T-I-Z as in zebra, O. Got it. Hey, thanks a lot for being on here. I think it's fascinating to look at what the future holds. You know, uh, I'm, I'm just getting old enough now that I'm starting to tell those stories like, you remember when we did this? And uh, the young people are like, oh, I heard my grandpa say that. I'm like, well, I'm not quite grandpa's age. All right, Michael and Emily, thank you so much for being on and, and talking to us about the future and what we're going to be seeing buzzing around. And I love the term croparazzi. Croparazzi, that's a good one. Thank you. That'll go down as a highlight for me for 2020. Thank you, Damien. This is great. Thanks for being on. Hey, uh, dear listeners and viewers, thank you for joining us. Another great episode of the Business of Agriculture podcast. I would remind you to check out my sponsor, Harvest Profit. They are a company that makes a software solution that'll help your ag enterprise be more profitable. And after all, that's why we're in business, to try and make a dollar and actually keep it for yourself via profit versus just giving away to your suppliers. Harvestprofit.com is where you can learn more about that. A toast uh, to my uh, my good friends in Georgia remind you to drink your milk. Until next time, it's the business of agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the business of agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.